3: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again to get your butts back into that black and gold DeLorean and go back in time to check out the Pittsburgh Steelers from yesteryear. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is my great friend Tony Defio. We do this every week, but really what we love to do is also remember the teams that made us fans, and this is one of those teams that really sparked our black and gold passion, Tony. How are you, my friend?
2: I am great, and I really cannot wait to talk about this, this game, and this this is my one of my favorite years ever, and obviously this is one of my favorite games since it was a division-around playoff game.
3: I would definitely think that this is a lot of people's favorite years, so we're going to talk about this. It was a time, Tony, when a blizzard with close to four feet of accumulation of snow would affect the entire Northeast. It did not affect the Steelers on this day, but we would get a lot of snow from this. A lot of people are still talking about this particular storm. Also, it was one sweet day on the record charts as Boys to Men and Mariah Carey went on their way to a record 16 weeks at number one with that song. And 12 Monkeys with one of my favorites, Bruce Willis, was number one at the box office.
2: Do you remember that movie, Tony? I remember the movie. I I, I don't think I watched it, but I definitely remember hearing about it.
3: Actually, a lot of people consider it a cult classic, that being 12 Monkeys. And we talked about the classic Pittsburgh Steelers. What day are we talking about? Well, we're talking about January 6th of 1996. This was that brilliant season of 1995 where the Steelers were following up the year of 1994 with a loss, three more yards, a loss to the San Diego Chargers in the AFC Championship game. This is the year to follow that they went three and four to start the season Ended up eleven
2: and five, I believe. Was that the eleven and five team, Tony? That was the eleven and five team. It would have been twelve and four, but Yancey dropped the uh, touchdown pass in that meaningless game against uh, Green Bay. I'd
3: love to do that meaningless game in Green Bay one of these days because that was a really fun game in the snow right before Christmas. It was a fantastic game that built a lot of character for that team. They did not need to win that game; they almost did. Yancey didn't even really drop it as much as knee it out of his uh, hands because right. <laughs> his knee came up knocked it out where i think we might do that the steelers play green bay this year so that could be a possibility but this was a game where the steelers were back at home it was their first playoff game as they won a tough afc central division and ended up playing the buffalo bills in the divisional round The Buffalo Bills won the week before against the Miami Dolphins, and this is a team that, if you remember, they had won four AFC championships to start the decade, and they were looking to get back on track, and they still had some of the key players. They had Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. They would have Bruce Smith that season, but not in this game. Bruce had the flu and 103 degree temperature. He was back at home. He didn't play in this game. We're going to let you know whether that would be a factor or not. So it was the Steelers against the Bills. They were set to whoever would win this game to play the winner of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts. The Chiefs were the number one seed that year, the Steelers were the number two. That game would be the next day. So, really exciting things to talk about here. The Steelers won the kickoff, Tony. They elected to receive Ernie Mills, one of my favorite Steelers. Not He doesn't go down in history as a great wide receiver, but he was so key so many times for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tony, your thoughts on Ernie Mills?
2: Oh, I loved Ernie Mills. He was one of those under-the-radar kind of guys, and he was very clutch for them in this playoff run. So Mills returned
3: Steve Christie's kick 21 yards to set up shop at the 23-yard line. Out comes Neil O'Donnell which would be his last season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He comes out to run the offense against a Bills defense playing without Bruce Smith, like we said, but they still had to beware of Bryce Pop. There's a name from the past. Bryce Pop played originally with the Green Bay Packers, ended up as a free agent with the Bills.
2: He was the league leader with 17 and a half sacks that year, Tony defensive player of the year 17 what 17 and a half sacks in 95 I was I was pleasantly surprised uh, to find out uh, what, the kind of resume he had at that time so
3: after two unsuccessful runs by Eric Pegram O'Donnell found Yancey Thigpen he was the leading receiver that year he had 14 yards in a first down and another 34 yard hookup to get into Bill's territory when Pegram scampered left for 17 yards, the Steelers were on the one-yard line, and John L. Williams, another one of my favorite Steeler free agent pickups, he capped off a nine-play 77-yard drive with a one-yard plunge. With 9.29 left in the first, the Steelers led 7 nothing. Tony
2: basically a pretty effortless drive. It was, it was, it was what a valuable veteran that they, they picked up at that time.
3: You know, John L. was one of the fullbacks that gave them the most production. John L. Williams was the one who really caught the ball well out of the backfield, and he would carry the ball a lot, and he would score for that team, Tony. So East Brady's Jim Kelly came out with his K-gun offense. He was equipped with Thurman Thomas, who had a 158 yard game the week before against Miami? He was facing one of the strongest defenses in the NFL in the form of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was your Blitzburg defense. Then Thomas would pick up the Bills second, first down, but then he would limp off after Carnell Lake, a guy that we just talked about, gave him a good crack in. And then he was to be replaced by the seventh rounder from Portland State by the name of Derek Holmes. Holmes would reel off two great runs, but then on third down, Lake tackled Holmes for a loss of 13. Steve Christie was short on a 52-yard attempt, and the Steelers would go on the attack once again. But despite the stop, Bill Cower and Greg Lloyd were seen arguing on the sidelines.
2: It, it was funny because Greg Lloyd was so intimidating, but, but, but uh, Bill Cower was never... Afraid to get in his face, it was it was a funny sight to see. But they were definitely uh, having words. On the next series, Bam Morris, man, that guy was
3: gaining chunks of yards, and O'Donnell was completing passes to the likes of Cordell Stewart and John L. Williams. The quarter would end with the Steelers at the Bills' eleven and up seven to nothing. Two plays into the second quarter, O'Donnell found Ernie Mills in the back of the end zone, and it appeared that mills was out of bounds but it was rolled a touchdown the steelers now led 14 to nothing with 14 18 left in the half and chris collinsworth was not sure whether this was a touchdown or not
2: tony what were your thoughts looking at it in through today's eyes it, it definitely wasn't a touchdown i mean there i don't think there's any way at, at that time the rule was if it looked like you were you you could have got both feet down before while you're being pushed out then they, they considered it in balance but it didn't look like Ernie Mills was gonna get his right foot down as he was diving for the for the ball when he caught it so they had a good point but, but at that point in, in, in the NFL's history they didn't have instant re- replay they were they were in between instant replay so uh it was a tough tough break for the Bills. They they were they were upset and they had a right to be but those are the breaks sometimes. Thomas with a sore ankle returned to the game but Willie Williams knocked a third
3: down ball away from Billy Brooks, and the Bills had to punt once again. On the next series, it looked as if the Steelers would do the same, but O'Donnell would complete a third and 18 to Cordell Stewart to move the chains after an 18-yard game, but the drive would stall after that and Slash Stewart had a pooch punt the ball away.
2: It would always catch the announcers off, off guard, but you could always tell that, that Slash was going to punt because he would, he would always line up an extra few yards behind center.
3: And that's why he was nicknamed Slash, because Myron noted that, hey, he could do it all. After a hold on Buffalo's next possession negated a Kelly to Steve Tasker, 16-yard first down, the Bills had a punt again, and the Steelers immediately moved into Buffalo real estate. But the drive stalled at the twenty eight. And in comes Norm Johnson, another great free agent pickup. He came in to knock true a 45-yard field goal to extend the lead to 17 to nothing. Norm had a great three-year run with the Steelers. This was his first year. A lot of people don't realize this. He did not replace Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson left after the 2004 season. But Tony, did you know that the Steelers brought in a former Indianapolis Colt? named Dean Biasucci, and he flamed out in preseason. So they made a quick change
2: and brought in Norm Johnson. I forgot all about that. That, that totally escaped my mind. But I definitely remember those fine, uh, those years of of uh, Norm's pretty fondly. He was such a dependable kicker for them, and he was a great bridge between Gary Anderson and, and their later years with, with guys like Chris Brown and, and – and, uh, and Skippy Reed. So uh, I I love those, uh, those uh, years with uh, Norm, and he was so dependable.
3: We've done so well with kickers over the years, especially those free agent ones. So let's go ahead and take a break, Tony. We are going to check in on the remainder of the second half and the rest of this game in part number two of the Steelers Retro Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Steeler Nation, to the Pittsburgh Steelers Retro Show on Behind the Steel curtain.com, My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me, as always, it's Tony DeFio. We are back in time. It's the Steelers, it's the Bills. It's January 6th of 1996 as we're taking a look at that wonderful 1995 Pittsburgh Steelers season. So, the Bills were down 17 nothing at this point, Tony, and it would get worse for them. After a Kevin Green sack of Kelly forced another three and out and another punting situation, the snap was too high and Brian Mormon was tackled by the Steelers' Lee Flowers to set up first down with 12 to go for Pittsburgh. On third down, penalties on John Jackson and Leon Searcy deleted a touchdown by Slash from O'Donnell and then Norm had to come in and kick a 29-yarder for a twenty to nothing score with four twenty two left in quarter number two, they took points off the board there, Tony, and they ended up with four less. I was feeling at the time that uh, this could be a mistake. Well, I mean, they didn't take it off on purpose; they had to because it was a penalty. But I thought that this was a missed opportunity where the Steelers could go up twenty four to nothing, but instead twenty to nothing reason i was worried buffalo was high
2: powered with jim kelly absolutely uh, they had the ball first and ten at the 12 after the, after the uh, the muff or or the uh, the high snap on the punt that was very concerning because the the bills at that time they they were uh they were well respected as far as the afc was concerned they they might not have won any super bowls but 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 they were considered a juggernaut in the afc and and you just had a feeling that they were going to make a comeback and and into Take four points off the board there with the penalty was, uh, was huge at, at that
3: time. Absolutely. And this was a stretch where the NFC was dominating the AFC in Super Bowls. The Bills were a part of that too. And it would finally go away two years later, but the NFC was dominating. But when you talked about the AFC, you talked about the Buffalo Bills and Marv Levy. On the ensuing series, Greg Lloyd left with an injury after lying on the turf for a few minutes. He would return, however, a play later. Man, I was worried about Greg Lloyd because he was the heart and soul of this team on defense.
2: Absolutely, and it looked ugly when it, when it first happened. It looked like it, it could have been a serious injury, but, 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 but he, would, he, was, uh, he would turn out to be fine, which was, uh, which was uh, a, a blessing.
3: Things would really unravel slightly for the Steelers as penalties aided a Bills drive as Buffalo was penetrating the Steelers' side of the field. But with the Bills on the 29, Thomas ran for nearly 15 yards before Chris Oldham forced a fumble that Carnell Lake, there's that guy again, he recovered on the Pittsburgh 12-yard line. The Steelers would go three and out, though, and Ron Stark would come on in to punt it away to Tasker. The Bills would not give up though and quickly scored before halftime after Tasker hauled in a 26-yard offering from Kelly. Thomas then plunged in to make the score 20 to 7 a minute before the half. But Neil came out throwing multiple times to guys like Andre Hastings. Ernie Mills got into the action too, and they got into the field goal range in just 37 seconds. The Bills did try for a Hail Mary with seven seconds remaining. But an offensive penalty ended the half, and it was twenty-three to seven. It's halftime. Not too bad, but the Bills showed they could score quickly. Tony,
2: absolutely, and and I thought that was huge. If Pittsburgh uh, went down and scored three points there at, at the end of the half, because the way Pittsburgh dominated over the first almost nearly first first thirty minutes of the game, for the Bills to score right before the half and make it twenty to seven was huge. So for Pittsburgh to kind of uh, take that momentum back uh, heading into the locker room was it was a big deal. I thought. I recall being nervous at halftime here. Even though the, the Steelers were up 16
3: points, I saw how quickly the Bills could get it together. We saw that a lot this season and in the previous five seasons of Buffalo's uh, great play. So, Tony, I got to tell you, I was not arresting easy.
2: Yeah, they had, they certainly had a mystique at that time. The, the Buffalo Bills with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bruce Smith, who who wasn't there, but they just had such a great team, and they, and they knew how to they knew how to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> they may not have known how to win it, but they certainly uh, owned the AFC at that time. So, the, for them to be hanging around was was, was very uh, disconcerting. Were you nervous? I was I was nervous, but not as nervous as I would be later on in the game. <laughs> I see, and that foreshadows what's going to happen. But the Steelers
3: would score before the Bills would in the second half. The Bills would get the ball first, and Ray Seals and Jim Kelly, they got into it a little bit. They got into a skirmish, raising the ire of Cower on the sidelines. There was a penalty involved. Man, I got to tell you, Ray Seals was angry, but the Steelers did stop Buffalo to cause them to punt, and it didn't take the Steelers long to drive down the field. Eric Pegram took a screen 23 yards down to the nine, but O'Donnell threw the ball into the waiting arms of Greg Evans, for the pick to thwart the drive. So what happened is after the Evans interception, Carnell Lake, on two plays later, flipped the script by intercepting Kelly's pass. It was his first interception of the day in front of Andre Reed at the Bills 25. Steelers couldn't do much with it. Norb Johnson had to come in. He had his fourth field goal to make the score now 26-7, to Tony. Then Joel Steed and Greg Lloyd, they caused a three and out on the Bills next ste- next series after sacking kelly on third down to bring out mormon again but the steelers matched the three three and out they had a punt themselves lloyd got to kelly again right after a throw on the next drive and this time bill johnson joined in on the fun kelly was slow to get up and you had to bring in alex van pelt you remember him from pittsburgh panther fame and he was actually a draft pick of the steelers but never stuck with the team he came in to spell number 12 that sparked the bills tony as steve tasker took in and around all the way inside the five at the three then van pelt hit tony klein in the corner of the end zone behind chad brown who was ailing a little bit for a td the score was now 26 to 14 steelers with 327 left in the third wow it looked like they could gain some momentum behind the
2: former pit panther tony absolutely and, and again pittsburgh controlled this game all throughout and, and and it looked like they had they wasted some opportunities you know in the red zone the, the, the score touchdowns instead of field goals and just like that thanks to alex van pelt coming in you, you know you lock out jim kelly you're thinking all right uh we're in really great shape and then Van Pelt comes in and just like that is 26 to 14.
3: The Steelers were starting to lose grip on this game. Cornelius Bennett then dropped a sure pick six on the first play of Pittsburgh's next possession. They had a punt. Here comes Ron Stark and it only goes 23 yards. Luckily though, the bills had a three and out the Steelers gave it right back as they too had a kick away as the third quarter would end. The Steelers were still up 26 to 14 at this point but there were some nervous Nellies, including me, Tony. That wouldn't stick, though, as the Bills started in on the Steelers' 39 and drove right down the field with passes to Lonnie Johnson, Andre Reed, and runs by Thurman Thomas, too. Jim Kelly, who injured his collarbone earlier in the third, he came back into the game just like that. Kelly hit Thomas on a 10-yard scoring play. There's 11.23 left in this game. It's less than a one score game as the Steelers lead was cut to 26 to 21. And when I say one score, I'm talking touchdown, Tony.
2: Absolutely. And this is, this is a, an actual feeling that I remember to this day when it was 26, 21, I was like, Oh my goodness, they're going to, they're going to lose this game and it's going to make the San Diego game from a, a year earlier seem like nothing. I was very nervous at this point.
3: Yeah. Cause they were starting to have a pattern. remember, even though he was great those four years, his record was absolutely fantastic. Bill Cowher was only 1-3 and three in the playoffs to this point. But his Steelers knew how to respond and then had a lot to do with Bill Cowher and his resolve. With runs by Stewart and Morris and receptions by Mills, Thigpen, and Hastings, the Steelers charged right down the field. Then with 6-16 left, Byron Bam Morris would run left, for 13 yards and the score three rivers was rocking and the Steelers led 33 to 21. So you had a platoon situation that year with Barry Foster gone. All of a sudden he's no longer there. You have Eric Pegram and Bam Morris. And I tell you what, none of them had a thousand yards, but those guys really split duties together and they were equally dangerous but it seemed when you got down the stretch and you wanted to bring in the big man to uh, knock off some time off the clock
2: and get big chunk of yards, you did it with Bam Morris, Tony. Absolutely. He was such a valuable draft pick for them, a third round pick. And and him and, and Pigram was a great free agent pickup for them at that time. And, and they were together. They were a great, you're talking about a bridge. They were a great bridge between uh, Barry Foster and what he gave them. And then what, with uh, the bus would eventually give, give them and it was, it, they were a valuable duo uh, and, and certainly in 1995.
3: Yeah, nobody knew what would happen that the bus would be there the very next season and that Bam would never play for them again after the playoffs were over because of an arrest. No one knew this at the time. He was only a second year man. They thought Bam would be there for a long time, but Bam was so valuable in 1995. The Bills definitely had the firepower to come back into this game, and Kelly came out firing, but Greg Lloyd, here's a name that you're going to hear a lot in this game, he put the pressure on number 12, Willie Williams had good coverage on Billy Brooks, the ball popped out, and Pittsburgh football legend Jerry Olsavsky, Jerry O, picked off the ball at the Buffalo 35, remember Jerry O picking up that ball? picking off that ball and Chris Collinsworth in the booth, who I have a lot of respect for. He kind of felt that uh, Williams could have come early on that play. What were your thoughts, Tony?
2: I mean, he might've been, he might've been a little early, but it was bang, bang, but it, it was a great, it was a great uh, play by Williams and was certainly a, a great interception by Jerry O who was a, another underrated player for them. And much like Van Pelt, a, a Pittsburgh uh, Panthers product. And, and, and he, Played a lot of valuable years for the Steelers after being a late round pick in 1989. There's about 355 left in this game, but like I said before, they would
3: flip flop on turnovers. And two plays later, O'Donnell could not put the game away. He was picked off by Matt Darby. And O'Donnell was complaining that Jonathan Hayes was interfered with, which he was, but it wasn't by
2: a Buffalo Bill, Tony. It was by an official of all things. Yeah, the the, the umpire picked him off. The the ball wound up in uh, uh, Matt Darby's hands, and and Buffalo had had one more la- had one last chance to to get back in this game. It would not
3: matter though, Tony, because on the very next play, Lloyd would rush Kelly again, and Lavon Kirkland would grab Kelly's third pick on the afternoon, take it all the way down to the Buffalo twenty-three with less than four minutes left to play. Then it was the mighty bam morris once again they were on the 33 yard line they were on the 23 yard line bam morris would rush for 21 yards to get down to the two in just two running plays and then john l williams would be stopped it would be second and a goal give the ball to bam one more time he plunged in from 2 yards out and the steelers led now with 158 left 40 to 21 Three
2: River Stadium was definitely rocking. What was it like at your house, Tony? Oh, it was a sigh of relief. It was, it, it was, it was, it was party time. There's nothing like winning a playoff game. Uh, you know, To finally vanquish the Bills, who they, who they lost to three years earlier in the playoffs, and who were looking to get back to the Super Bowl for the fifth time in six years, to, to, to finally uh, slay that dragon was huge for this young and up-and-coming team like the Steelers. So they would bring Van Pelt back in. He couldn't do much of anything.
3: This game was over with uh, the two-minute warning passed, 19-point lead for the Steelers. Everybody knew it was over. They had a four and out in this situation. The Steelers would go ahead and kneel on the ball. The 40 points scored. That was tying a record for the 1976 Steelers against the Baltimore Colts in a divisional game in Baltimore, which that's a game that you talk about a lot of being a such a fun game to watch. We're going to have to cover that one of these days, Tony, but I got to tell you 40 points putting up and the chance to take on the juggernaut Kansas city chiefs. The next week was on the horizon, but nobody realized that those very Colts now in Indianapolis would be coming to town to three rivers for another home playoff game because they would upset that Kansas City Chiefs team by a score of ten to seven
2: the next day. Tony, I remember watching that game and watching the end of that game, that Colts Chiefs game, and thinking, "Wow, they're actually going to get another legit chance." I mean, I thought, I, I was confident they could beat the Chiefs too. You know, I, I thought they had a, they matched up well with them at that time. But but to have the upstart Colts come come to Three River Stadium, and, you know, one year after the uh, underdog Chargers team. I thought that, that that was like, wow, they're really getting a second chance. I was so, so happy that, 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 that they were going to get a second chance at three of a stadium to, to write that, that wrong from a year earlier. They
3: really would. And I got to tell you, it was a fantastic game the next week. Spoiler alert. The Steelers win that game in dramatic fashion. I believe
2: the final score was 20 to 16. Am I correct on that? Tony? You certainly are. It was it was a few inches away from being 23 to 20 and, and the biggest heartbreak ever. But yeah, 20 to 16.
3: Yeah, gosh, we did not want to go through that another year, especially two years in a row. So the Steelers would go on to the Super Bowl. They would lose a valiant effort against the Dallas Cowboys. But despite not winning the Super Bowl that year, people had a great feeling about the 1995 Pittsburgh Steelers and Bill Cower, Cower Power, and I got to tell you this is one of the reasons this game is why the Steelers were darlings and the 1995 Steelers occupy a great place in many hearts of Steeler Nation.
2: Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, this was this this team, this era, 90 the, the, the 90s, specifically this year. It holds a great place in my heart, and it's all it will always be special to me. I mean, they didn't, they didn't. This team didn't win a Super Bowl. This, this, these players, this this core group of players, but uh, it was it was a great run to make the playoffs six years in a row, and several AFC Championship game appearances, and, and of course that Super Bowl trip. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget this team. I got to tell you,
3: I was in a lot of transition in my life. It was good transition, but I had moved and I was on my own. I was actually living in a different state at the time the Pittsburgh Steelers helped get me through this 1995 team. I have so many great memories each and every week of that season. Well, with the exception of uh, maybe week number four, when they got destroyed by the uh, Minnesota Vikings and Bill Cower had to uh, stuff a a picture (laughs) into the pocket of a referee. Actually, I, I think that's funny now. I didn't love it back then maybe that's a good memory too, but I got to tell you what, I love this team, Tony, and I love going back in time. Thank you so much for joining me on this one, a great Steeler playoff victory.
2: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. It was a lot of fun. I, I, I never tire of talking about these 1990s Steelers teams. And we will be doing a lot of it
3: next week though. We are going to do an AFC championship game and it's going to be the 1979 Steelers. Once again, as they go for their fourth super bowl we're talking about super bowl 14 will they get there you might know already with the spoiler but we're not going to tell you now tony
2: no no we can't give that away we can't give that away you know people hate <laughs> spoilers so I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna i remember the whole the whole uh han solo thing from the, the that one uh, star wars maybe from a few years ago so i'm not going to spoil it for tony Duffio.
3: my name is brian anthony davis you could take us away hey we don't mind but you better promise us that we'll be back in time from the btsc retro show we'll see you next week friends